HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. With our growing season just around the corner, we're sowing seeds of knowledge and empathy on this week's episode of Meet and Three through four unique stories. I'm always shocked at how aggressive people are with their language. I'll have something like Japanese knockweed and they'll say, you know, these are terrible, they're they're foreigners, they're invasive, and you know, but they're also, you know, they're really healthy if you eat them. We're surrounded by seeds that have already adapted to live with us and they're actually already kind of living in the future because cities are hotter and they're more polluted and they're more fragmented and these are the plants that can deal with that. Tune in to Meet and 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. We're recording remotely. Today is Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021. And you know what's going on right now, guys? Our favorite time of the year, New York City Beer Week. And this is probably the 10th year that we've done a, a Beer Week special. And we're jam-packed. We're doing two segments. But we're starting off, as we should, with uh, Ann Riley of New York City Brewers Guild. Um Ann, just introduce yourself and, and tell us what's going on, and then we'll go through everybody else. There's Jim Betts. Jim, can you say hello? Yeah, hey. How's it going? Jim Betts from Coney Island. And Jeff, can you say hello? Hey, guys. Jeff from Endless Life Brewing. So, Ann, um, tell us what your job is and how things have evolved um, in this crazy year, and then some of the some of the initiatives that you've been doing for Beer Week. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I'm Ann Riley. I'm the executive director of our New York City Brewers Guild. Uh, I took on this role in September of 2019, and then, as we all know, uh, last March, it definitely changed. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, this year, New York City Beer Week is very different than it has been in the past, um, because we can't have large groups of people gathering in small spaces, which is what New York is all about. So, instead, we have... Um, Decided to move forward with doing beer boxes, which is direct to consumer, um, getting New York City beer delivered directly to your door. Uh, we also are doing a virtual uh, fundraiser gala um, coming up to close out the week. And then during the week, we're encouraging people to um, participate in what we're calling a scavenger hunt to earn points 
to not only um, you know to buy New York City beer however they feel comfortable. If they don't feel comfortable going out, sitting outdoors or sitting inside, uh, there's plenty of ways to get beer directly to you. And we're offering points for all the different ways. Uh, we have a bunch of different challenges on our website to celebrate that. And just want to add that when a lot of you listen to the show, Beer Week might be over, but there's going to be a lot of promotions going on uh, throughout the rest of this year. They're, they're really, it's a really dynamic group. And Anne, I want to give big credit to you because I know that you were in marketing and your goal for a long time was to work in beer. But since you started at, at the Brewers Guild, you really did a lot, and even pre-pandemic. I mean, tell us how you transformed the Blocktoberfest. And last, last year's opening bash was probably the best one ever before the pandemic. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Um, my first event in this role was our Blocktoberfest in 2019. And that uh, had previously been a big casual outdoor um, festival open to everyone, making beer accessible to everyone. So for instance, if you're a big fan of beer, but you have a friend who isn't, that's a great way to bring someone in and I did, that was definitely, we probably had one of the larger crowds we had. Having good weather absolutely helped that. And then, as you mentioned, Jimmy, last year's opening bash, which was February 22nd of 2020, just before things um, became, you know, pandemic here in the city. Uh, we, we definitely probably had the, the highest attendance um, we've had in quite a while for both sessions. Um, and it was a great success that coupled with the fact that we were able to have a really good year working with all of our supporting um, bars, restaurants, and shops. Um, it was a great beer week last year for everyone, so we wanted to continue that, and that's something we've been working on a lot during this pandemic is to make sure those relationships continue to grow and our New York City beer community, we're really here to help each other out as much as we possibly can. That extends not just to our Brewers Guild members, but as I was mentioning, the shops, bars and restaurants that have supported New York City beer just during this and for many years in the past. Oh, and that's great. And that's a special relationship between the breweries and the retailers. Now, let's get J Jim Betts from Coney Island. Uh, tell us what, what Coney Island's done for Beer Week. Uh, sure. So we're participating in the, uh, you know, in, in, in the boxes that are going out. Uh, we put in our, uh, our dark mild, uh, into the boxes. Uh, pretty much everybody's putting in one beer, uh, and you know, that's the one that we decided to throw in. Uh, it's definitely one of my, uh, favorite styles. I, I really like the kind of low ABV classics. Uh, and I think, uh, for something that's, you know, under 4%, it, it it definitely uh, packs a lot of flavor, you know, some good chocolate tones to it, uh, some nice caramel notes. Yeah, that, that's what I have, Jim. Yeah, it's uh, the Dark Mild Coney Island, 3.8% ABV. You're right, it does have the chocolate malt in it. Yeah, and uh, so we were excited to, to, to put that in there. Um, and, you know, I know that uh, some of the, like Kat and Victoria, who I think are going to be on a little bit later, uh, they've been, you know, helping out uh, just to organize some stuff and, and, you know, deliver things where need be. Um, I know that Anne has put together kind of a really great, uh, great kind of program to get uh, some fundraising and things like that uh, together in terms of like those boxes and, and uh, glassware, stuff like that, that they're, they're trying to. Yeah. Well, that's that's great, Jim, and I'm really I really liking the dark mild. Thanks for sending me a sample. Let's go to Jeff. So the the, the other big story, uh, it's so great to hear about breweries opening <laughs> during the <laughs> pandemic. 
even when I read Eater all the time, there, there's restaurants that are still opening. So Jeff, congratulations, you opened Endless Life. I think the last time I had you on, you worked at a different brewery and you kind of whispered to me that you had a project going on. <laughs> that that sounds right. Yep. I, I'm, I'm still working at Keg and Lantern happily. Um, I've been there about four years. But yeah, last month, uh, we, were, we were able to get the doors open and start serving some beer out of uh, what previously was the Bad Room Cider, uh, Bad Seed Cider Tap Room. Oh, then I, I know the location. Yeah, that's a really great spot for, uh, is this still the bar inside too? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good good piece of the reason that we we went down that road in that space. Uh, they left a walk-in cooler and a bar and a draft system and... They had a built-out space, so we're just sort of, you know, bit by bit turning it into our own and, and making it our making it our own place and our own vision. But uh, it, it allowed us to get licensed as a brewery and start making some beer. Well, Jeff, when I know at Keg and Lantern, you've made some of my favorite lagers in the city um, and Kolsch's and things. What are you making as Endless Life? Uh, it's sort of if you if you took all of the hoppy beers right out of the uh, off the list uh, of what I've been making at Keg and Lantern, pretty much that, but doing everything with 100% New York ingredients and so, wait, so you what, have you're doing hoppy beers, 100% New York ingredients. <laughs> everything except for the hoppy beers. Oh, except so for the hoppy beers. Yeah, okay. so we're we're uh, running the gamut, but really focusing on rustic lagers, uh, mix mix fermentation, uh, sort of running the whole scope from you know, not sour saisons all the way to, you know, sours, fruited sours, that whole gamut. Wow. And are you guys open now with any indoor capacity? Yep. Yep. We've been able to open up. We're we're running at 25% right now. So we have basically three, four tops inside. It's spread out about as far as uh, any place in New York can get three tables. Uh, it's pretty funny. But I, I I think we'll kind of run at that until we can really feel safe adding more. We also have we also have a backyard that has three picnic tables, a couple Adirondack chairs, and we can move a table out front on the really nice days. No, I, I, I've been there when a couple years ago when it was the Bad Seed Cider Tasting Room. It's a great location, Franklin Avenue, right out in Brooklyn. That's yeah. really cool. Well, Anna, so so you're you're telling me what are the what's the status of beer in New York State? Jeff's opened yeah. a brewery. How many breweries are closing? What what what's because you're really on the pulse of, you know, what's happening. Right. I work directly with Paul Leone, who is our New York State uh, Brewers Association executive director. And luckily here in New York City, um, all of our breweries are remaining open. We're very happy to hear that. And throughout the state, the um, addition contrition uh, numbers are pretty on target where they would be in a non-pandemic year. Now that's the numbers of breweries that are opening to the numbers that are closing, meaning, you know, one closes, one opens. Um, it's just, you know, we're not going to grow too far beyond that 250 number that we've been at for a while because the growth within New York State had been um, pretty substantial. Um, going back, you know, 2014 was a big year. 2017 was a big year for breweries opening within the state. Um, obviously, 2020 won't be a huge year for openings. <laughs> However, there aren't a lot of New York State breweries closing, luckily. Yeah. No, and, and it's really great. Um, and, and, and just as important as celebrating Beer Week and drinking beer, uh, the work that you do and Paul Leone does at the state level is really important. Is there an initiative or a, 
something with policy that you guys are focusing on right now? Uh, um, during well, the one of the things, yeah, one of the things that's been really helpful um, has been the executive orders that uh, continued every 30 days, allowing breweries to ship within the state. Um, and that's something that we've been working on quietly behind the scenes for a number of years, um, to see how we can make that a more permanent thing. And obviously now that it's been successful through executive orders, we would prefer to move beyond that to permanence. Um, because as you know, many of your listeners might know, uh, both wine and liquor, they're able to ship. So, you know, we're trying to find out why beer can't. Yeah, and that's a whole other episode. We're going to have you back in the spring. Mm-hmm. We're going to dive deeper <laughs> into it. And Jeff, since you just opened your Keg and Lantern, now you also Endless Life. Um, what are a couple success stories besides you opening of, of the pandemic in New York City beer? Uh, other Other breweries? That, that are friends of yours that put out a certain beer that's stellar or uh, another high, high, high moment of the last year? Well, I definitely don't get out very much um, these days and I've sort of had my head buried a little in the sand trying to, you know, keep Keg and Lantern on the, the right track with, with that whole team over there and, and get our own space ready to go. So I have to plead a little bit of ignorance, but I, I think the success story has to just be everybody that's been able to keep their doors open and find a way to thrive in their own particular way. Um, you know, my, my heart goes out to every, everybody really, and how, how tough it's been across the board. But, you know, just in, in my own myopic view, um, watching somebody like Wild East who sort of was just ready to open as this whole thing hit, and to watch them basically open a brewery in this time and live the entirety of their their brewing life uh, in these conditions and, and watch them really succeed has, has been, you know, it's warmed my heart. And everything I hear about Wild Yeast, they're getting high marks on their beers, aren't they, with Brett? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we'd expect nothing less. They're, they're amazing. Brett, Brett's an amazing brewer. That's just an incredible team, you know, top to bottom over there. Yeah, man. And uh, just we're just bouncing around because we've got a second segment. And then, Jim, uh, Coney Island beer, thanks for this dark mild. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. That's that's what I'm drinking tonight, Coney Island dark mild. But tell us, there's another initiative you're working on with the New York City Hospitality Alliance, uh, which is a really important group in New York City supporting restaurants and, and tap rooms and bars. Yeah, so they have been uh... – they were founded in uh, 2012. Uh, it's a not-for-profit, uh, and they look to serve, you know, the restaurant and nightlife establishments uh, throughout the throughout the boroughs. Um, so what we're doing right now is we're donating, uh, you know, a dollar for every can or draft sold at participating accounts, uh, as well as six packs, um, and that's going on through uh, April, March through April. Um, so any any of the beer that you see that we have at those retailers or uh, bars uh, is giving a little bit of money towards that partnership. Um, and you can read a little bit more about it on our uh, we have a blog on the on our website uh, that kind of goes into a little Q and A with them uh, and kind of dives a little bit deeper into kind of what they are all about. Uh, you know, I, my background is in uh, restaurants. I started working as a you know before working in at breweries, I was working as a bartender in New York. Uh, and so anything that, you know, 
we do uh, that helps out people within uh, hospitality. It's 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 very close to my heart because I have a lot of friends who, you know, haven't worked for over almost an entire year now. So uh, it's great that you know our company is able to uh, help out a little bit in that regard. That's great, and we're going to talk more about what's going on at Coney Island uh, in the second segment with with your GM. Um, but Ian, um, let's fill in the missing pieces. So Beer Week, the boxes, how do the boxes work? Because I feel like that's a really great extension of 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 what the Guild and New York City Breweries should be doing year-round. Yeah, absolutely. And we were able to start doing these um, for Blocktoberfest back in the fall, and we've partnered with Halftime. Um, they are our packing and shipping partner, and that's what's allowing us to be able to ship to or over half the states. Um, we organized getting all of our, you know, 39 now member breweries together, getting their beer together and getting it up there. And, um, we take care of selling it on our website and making sure that, you know, um, all the beer that needs to get there gets there in time for them to ship it out to our consumers. And it, it, as you say, it's been a great way to share New York city beer, um, outside of the city. So it's not just in your little office, there's a couple of volunteers packing all these boxes of beer. <laughs> well, considering the guild is predominantly volunteer, we we don't have uh, an office, so we would have to take over somebody's uh, space in their tap room for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, so, what was the 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 recent box? Was it a choice of the thirty nine breweries, or were there four select beers? How did it work? Yeah, so yeah, we've done them differently each time. Um, so for Blocktoberfest, what we did was we had 38 member breweries at the time. We broke those out into four different groups and people could choose the group they wanted. Um, and they would get a mix of either 12 or 24 cans. Um, in that instance, there were a few duplicates just because some boxes had 10 breweries, others had nine. Um, for the holiday boxes, what we did was we... Um, along the idea of what people do for like an advent uh, calendar of beer kind of thing, a different beer every day leading up to Christmas. We did something similar where you ordered either 12 or 24. The only thing you knew was that they were going to be New York City beer. They were going to be fresh from New York City. And this time what we've done is all of our member breweries, the beers that they are uh, providing for the box, we've posted to our website. And similar to the only thing similar to holiday box is consumer isn't quite sure which 12 or 24 are going to arrive at their door. But now at least they know what styles will be in the box. So what were, besides the Coney Island Dark Mild, what were a couple other uh, beers that were in that box choice? Well, for instance, Jeff, uh, his Endless Life, his Kolsch is in that. And um, it's a really great mix of styles. You know, as you are likely aware, New York City breweries make all different kinds of beers. So it's not going to lean too heavily towards one style. Um, you know, you'll get a, a mix of lagers and ales and IPAs. You know, um, let me just pull up the list and I can tell you a few of the different breweries that um, and beers that are in it. For That's instance, a really good have... point. You know, th thinking about just the, the, the variety of styles made really mm -hmm. well by, by the New York City brewers. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that, you know, we've learned throughout the state that people really are impressed with the different kinds of beers coming out of the city. Um, like, for instance, Folks Beer, they're Pilsner. Um, they're also supplying a, a Berliner Weiss. Uh, Bridge and Tunnel is doing a, uh, a milk stout. Uh, Fifth Hammer is doing a fruited sour. Uh, Finback is doing one of their IPAs. Um, 
non sequitur, uh, double dry hop IPA, you know, just rolling through the list of variety of beers on here. It's, it's pretty wide. There's uh, gun Hills, um, uh, peanut butter and void, uh, a peanut butter, uh, heavy stout. Um, we have a lemon drop Pilsner from iconic, just really wide variety. Wow. That's really great. Um, you know, the, the funny thing at this time of year, I just, I want to talk about the opening bash <laughs> and all the, the great parties going on. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, what, what was the, besides the opening bash last year, cause we are, we are looking ahead, you know, we're looking ahead now to these beer boxes for the future and, and for spring when, when a lot of things are going to be much more open in New York. Um, yes. What, what was the highlight of last year's beer week? Like our show last year, we went, we actually went to KCBC and we talked with Bobby, uh, of KCBC and Ian from, I think, uh, whichever other brewery, <laughs> uh, and that uh, was yeah, really he was cool. At Mickler. Yeah. He was at Mickler and then at Ebbs and actually Ian is back with KCBC. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was like, a great little show. And that was the night before mm-hmm. for opening bash. And I just love seeing how, how some of the, the retail stores, which is our next segment, have celebrated mm-hmm. Beer Week. I always expect like a Patrick Donaher or As Is in the West Side to really rock it yes. out. Um, and I'm looking forward to going back to that. Yeah, for sure. As are we. And, you know, as, as we were talking before, they've been so supportive of New York City beer, even, you know, pre-pandemic, but especially during the pandemic, you know, making sure that local beer is available in local places has been really phenomenal because they're all working, as Jeff was saying, with just and, and Jim as well was saying the teams here in New York have uh, been running on very tight ships for a year now. Yeah. And, and Jim, I'm going to ask you because I want to know Coney Island, one of my favorite places. Um, the brewery at, in Coney Island, what are you guys anticipating f- for spring? Or, or- yeah, so we're we're really hoping that things start to uh, to pick up again. Uh, I know that the uh, the city, I believe, just gave permission to the amusement parks to open up, uh, which is really great news, uh, considering that a lot of the none of them opened last year, and I know that that was really devastating to the area. Um, so we're kind of hoping with that because we have a pretty large outside area, uh, that we'll be able to, you know, kind of start to build things back, uh, and really start to see some type of, uh, just hope for some type of getting back to whatever the normal will be going forward. Uh, but, you know, I, I know, I know for a lot of those amusement, uh, you know, the amusement park people, they're, they're thrilled uh, that they were given the go-ahead to hope, uh, to open this year. Yeah. And and what's your flagship Pilsner? Uh, the Mermaid. The Mermaid. <laughs> looking, <laughs> looking forward to having that this summer, sitting outside. Still uh, on the, still on uh, up in the air whether or not the Mermaid Parade is, is going to uh, happen this year. Um, you know, I think we're, we're hoping that that is the case. Uh, but you know we're we're still keeping our uh, ear to the ground to hear more news about that. That's great, and I'm and just big shout out to Coney Island again. Uh, thanks for doing the hops for hospitality, support the New York City Hospitality Alliance, and and Jeff, I want to wrap it up with you. Um, you're well spoken, but you're also one of my favorite brewers. So, um, what 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 are you working on? It's beer week, but you're making beer for ahead. You know, what's a beer that you're working on 
you know, this week, or you sure. always have multiple beers going, you know, what, what's the life of a guy who's making beer for two, for two breweries? <laughs> uh, busy, but that's, that's a good thing. You know, <laughs> idle hands and whatnot. Um, we have, a you know, and on the endless life side, we have a, a Berliner Weiss, um, that's in barrels that we'll be able to pull out, um, any, any, any day now. Um, we have a table beer and a Maybach that are, that are about to be brewed before the end of the month. So that's, that's some of what's coming, coming up. That's um, great. we're, we're, we'll be participating as endless life, but also, uh, next week we'll be brewing. I know you had Dave Lopez on and the happy hour guys about the curtains up beer. So yes. we're able to participate, um, with, uh, with that, with keg and lantern. So we'll, we'll be making that next week. So a lot of. A lot of irons in the fire. That's great. And Anna, you know, even this, this last year with the pandemic, I'm thinking of, of all the, the New York City breweries we've had on the show. We had other half when they were opening at Domino Park in Williamsburg. We've had Gunhill on talking about the curtain up. Um, we have uh, Finback talking about their Brooklyn location. Um, mm-hmm. There's still a lot going on. It's, it's, it's really exciting. I, I, I feel like just in the last seven years, New York City, I feel like the New York City breweries in, in terms of their tap rooms and things like the new Finback location and, and the other half location and all the new little tap rooms that are opening run by breweries, it's really exciting time. And I feel like when you get when we get out of this pandemic, like starting in the spring, I feel like that in some ways it's going to be better than ever. Yeah, we, we hope so too. Um, you know, a lot of our breweries are able to open second locations. So that's something to keep an eye on this spring. Um, there's a few that will have their second locations hopefully open for the summer. Yeah, it's going to be great. Well, guys, we're, we're going to cut it short. Um, we've got a second segment coming up with, um, with, with more friends from New York City Beer Week. So it's so great having you, uh, Jim, Ann, and Jeff. Thanks for joining me on Heritage Radio Network. And we'll catch you next time. We're taking a short break. We'll be back with more friends on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Are you longing for a trip to Mexico? Do you want to taste mezcal straight out of a wood-fired clay pot still at a palenque in Puebla? Well, we can't help you with that, but we can offer the next best thing, agave road trip in a box. This set of 10 samples of rare heritage agave spirits will transport your heart with the warmth of liquid Mexico. Get your set at agavefestival.org and then join agave road trip podcast co-host Chava and me, Lou, for an online tasting agavefestival.org is the break you've been looking for, or as close as you're going to get. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. This is our special 2021 New York City Beer Week uh, episode. We had just spoken with Ann Riley of New York City Brewers Guild, and Tim from Cone Island Beer, and Jeff Lyons of Endless Life Brewing and, and Keg and Lantern. Um, now we're switching we're switching tracks. We've got some new guests coming on. So let's go around the room. Everyone, please please say their name and where they work. Let's start with Megan. Uh, I'm Megan Rickerson. I own Someday Bar in Borum Hill, Brooklyn. Okay, and Fee? My name is Fee Doyle. I work at Beer Witch, which is uh, newly opened in Park Slope. Great, and Kat? Hi, my name is Kat, and I'm the general manager of Coney Island Brewery. Great. And Victoria? Hi, I'm Victoria. I'm the Assistant General Manager at the Coney Island Brewery as well. Wow. So we have we have a great, great guest list here. 
the whole scope of Beer Week, we were just saying on the first seg- segment, just every year to me, this is probably the 10th year I've done a, a Beer Week episode, you know, from opening bash to, to all the activities happening at the tap rooms and, and at retail shops. Um, there's nothing like it. New York City really stands out uh, for its craft breweries and everything. Um, a big part of it is the, re- the retail shops. So let's start with Megan because, Megan, I've, I've had you on before. I know that you, you worked at One Mile House, one of the, the Good Beer Seal bars. So it's great to have you back on the show. Just tell us what it's, what it's been like running your bar uh, during the pandemic and uh, some things that we should know about you. Um, so yeah, I was on, I was on your show. God, I don't even know when it was with Jerry, my old boss, one mile. Um, I opened someday, July 6, 2019. So we were about seven months old before the pandemic hit. I have awesome luck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, you know, the first year of owning a business in general is very daunting. And then you couple that with a pandemic and it feels insurmountable, but we have managed to, you know, keep going through all of this. Um, operating during a pandemic has been a nightmare. Um, and, uh, you know, with all the ever-changing regulations and the government inspections and just trying to keep beer fresh. I mean, God, when when we first hit the pandemic, I was like, what am I going to do with my 20 draft lines, um, trying to get those out doing to go? Um, I've learned a lot this year. I don't think I could have ever learned what I've learned in business school or managing One Mile House for you know almost nine years. It was the crash course of bar ownership. Um, I cried a lot, but I'm definitely way stronger than I was before. Um, and because of all of my frustration with our government and the way things were handled, I ended up, uh, founding a grassroots organization with two other industry women called Save NYC Bars, um, just to really highlight what everyone's going through, not even just on a bar and restaurant level, but also talking about, you know, the beer reps that are affected and the breweries and the distilleries and the food distributors and the drivers, um, that it's not just about saving bars, but it's also this ripple effect that goes through our entire community and hospitality and really explaining to our customers how they can help. Because a lot of people are very confused um, about regulations. And instead of directing their frustrations at the government, uh, it got directed at staff and people that work in hospitality that we love. So it's really about trying to you know, build those people up and protect them through education of our customers. Yeah, Megan, that's a huge concept. And, you, and I'm really proud of you because I, I know you definitely have learned so much and you're a real leader now in our community. But let's go back to March. So whatever it was, March 14th last year. So when, when the restrictions came in, what did you do? You just stopped ordering beer? I mean, how, how did you manage those first two months um, well, I, th- I think it was the 16th it happened. I remember it was like, that was the last night. Um, oh, it was um, the night before St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, I think so. Everything is so, feels so long ago that I just don't even know dates anymore. But, um, I, I sent out a message to all my staff that I was going to have to furlough them, um, to get up at 7.29 in the morning, set their alarms to file for unemployment immediately. Cause I knew that the site was going to crash. Um, and then I had my chef teach me how to cook everything in the kitchen. 
Um, and I ran the bar by myself for a good while doing to-go cocktails and uh, food kind of alone. But with draft, I mean, it was an instant, you know, ceasefire of ordering of anything and slashing all of our prices on all of our draft beer because draft beer, you know, you take it to go. How long do you really have to drink that? Not, not that, not that or quick, you know? Yeah. And and you run a great place. So you want to move your product and serve super fresh beer from draft. Right. Well, and even we have a hundred and a rotating 20, 120 cans. So I'm looking at all these IPAs and I'm like, crap, what am I going to do with all of this? Um, so we just, as the government liked to tell us, uh, we got creative and we pivoted, which are both like dirty, disgusting words in my vocabulary now, because it's so insulting as an owner to be told to get creative when you were already creative, when you created your business and your beer lineup and your cocktail menu. But we did what we had to do to survive. So, so what have you learned? You said you said you learned things that you didn't learn. You couldn't have learned in business school. What are a couple of things that you've learned? Because I'm sure you're, you're better and stronger now uh, than you were a year ago. Yeah. I mean, I should have made a list of all the new things that I've learned to do. I mean, on a very small scale, like I've learned just to be more efficient with my ordering, um, like business business side. But I have learned how to build outdoor dining stanchions in the street. I love staple guns. I love laminating. <laughs> I, I have rewired a chandelier. I know more about small business loans than anyone should ever know. Um, I could, I need to really sit down when this is all over and really think about the stuff that I never thought that I would have to have to know. HVAC, just insane things that as a bar owner, you're like, nah, not useful. And now I just have all of this information um, that I hope someday I can purge from my brain, but we'll see. Well, I, you're, you're, you definitely seem stronger than ever. We're going to jump over to Fee. So Fee, uh, you, you, you tell us where you work and wh- when did you, the bar you work at open? Uh, so I work at Beer Witch, uh, which is on uh, Bergen Street, uh, right off of Fifth Avenue. And it opened uh, the first week of October or early October. Um, the original intention for Beer Witch was to open in June. So obviously something got in the way. Um, <laughs> and, um, before that, I, I was working in Manhattan at a beer table in Grand Central Station. Uh, so, I mean, that was a very, once Cases started. Uh, it was a very, very steep drop off, um, even within a few days, and um, and then within a couple of weeks, um, we gotten kind of the same message that um, Megan was talking about. It's like, well, we're going to be furloughed, and so um, I was one of the many people who was unemployed for several months during this pandemic. Uh, but thankfully. Um, like right around Halloween, I got a message from uh, Ann Riley, actually, uh, who said that uh, Krista Sobier, who is the owner and operator here at Beer Witch, was looking for another another beer lover employee. So I got to join the team. That's great. And what are you doing there? Are you bartending? Are you buying beer? It's a uh, bartending, uh, but for you know, for now, we're not quite open as a bar yet. 
So we're operating like a bottle shop. There's a ample fridge space, bottles and cans. But we do have like a beautiful tap system with some side pour faucets um, and just a room ready for people to sit in and enjoy um, once things are safer. But uh, yeah, for now, um, just doing the beer thing. What's one thing you want our list? Because this is the first time we've had Beer Witch on. What do you what do you want our New York City listeners to know about Beer Witch? I mean, obviously, you're, I know you're trying to elevate the game a little bit. I've seen some of the beers you have on sale. Yeah. Um, so Beer Witch. I mean, just to start with the name, Beer Witch is woman owned, um, and the name itself sort of harkens back to beer history of women in uh, pre-industrial times being brewers uh, in Europe and many countries in Europe, but um, that would happen in cities where they would be sort of the keepers and the brewers. Um, So honoring that side of it and also, you know, given the day and age we live in to be like an inclusive and welcoming space, um, not only for women, but space for learning. Um, and just any, anyone who's interested in beer, we want them to come in and learn. Um, and you know, it's, we try to have a, a variety of styles and representing the full spectrum of, of beer. You know, it's, as we all know, it's, it's not all just IPAs. And, um, so it's, it's like, for me, I drink tons of lagers and like right now I've got some fifth hammer for NYCB week, but it's the cloak spell, which is a dark lager and a shout out to Mary is uh, for being a half of the duo at uh, fifth hammer. Cheers to Mary. Yes. Well, that's great. Now let's go to the Coney Island team. So, uh, Kat and Victoria, you guys are running the show at Coney Island Beer. Um, tell us about, you wanted to talk about a little bit about Women's History Month. Uh, let's dive into it. Hi. Yeah, so this is Kat. Um, for us, it's pretty exciting. We're uh, pretty much female front of house run brewery. And, you know, when all of us got involved in the beer scene, it was like pretty dominated, obviously, by like, men and it's a little intimidating but it was actually like really welcoming um i loved the community right away and there are so many women paving the way already um and it was exciting to learn about women and the history in beer and how you know it dates back four thousand years and you know some of the earliest recipes written down are actually um there's a poem written to Ninkasi, who is the Sumerian goddess of beer, uh, which I always thought was pretty awesome. I actually got her tattooed on me. <laughs> um, and it was just fascinating to see that, you know, the history of beer ties into women because it was seen as a domestic like job. You know, it was the women's, um, it's like, it was our responsibility and it was really cool. And, um, I was super excited when Beer Witch opened because I also am a little obsessed with the history of witches and beer um, and kind of how the modern day witch is kind of based on uh, women brewsters, which was really just awesome. 
Give me first. Tell me what is the poem to Ninkasi, or the Ninkasi poem? I don't know the poem exactly, and it's um, it's literally just it's like a written on a stone, and it's just kind of supposed to be the first recipe that was ever recorded. Uh, this is fee chiming in because it's something as simple as water, 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 grain, 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 yeah. more water, <laughs> more grain. Pretty basic. <laughs> yeah, it's not so much like a beautiful poem as it is like just uh, talking about the process. That's great. So the, the image of a witch as a, as a brewer. Um, Victoria, do you want to add to that? Um, sure. Hi, Victoria here. Um, yeah, so I was actually trained by Kat. Kat was a manager and I was a bartender and we... The most stressful thing for me was public speaking. Funny enough, here I am today. But uh, we had to give tours. It was part of our job. And uh, the easiest thing for me to remember was the female part that Kat really had a passion for um, because I could connect to it. And that is kind of what led me into discovering more in beer. But the witching part is so cool. I mean, you think of a witch, you think of a broomstick, you think of a cat, you think of a wand. And the broomstick outside of a woman who brewed beer meant that her space was clean and ready for business. Uh, she stirred her cauldron, which is where she cooked the beer. And, um, you know, you use the same wand or the same stick because you want the yeast strains to continue from one beer to the next to have consistency. Um, you have a cat running around because you have malt and grain and you don't want mice. And these are all symbols that as a kid you grew up with, not thinking twice about. And it makes so much sense now. And it's just, you really uh, catch the customer's like ear and attention when you start talking about things like this. And they're like, whoa, no one ever talks about this in other breweries. This is a cool tour. Um, so thanks, Kat, for sharing that knowledge with me. <laughs> And then, you know, of course, if you make the beer too strong, then you're a witch because you got me too drunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep rolling. This is fun. Uh, keep telling me about women and beer. Who wants to say something next? Uh, uh, this is Fee again. I'll just chime in on the, I think Kat mentioned that, you know, beer was a domestic task. Like, and for women that while their husbands would be out tilling the fields, it was a woman's job to make bread, make cloth, and make beer. Um, so it would, you know, each household or small firm tomb or village, each um, beer witch or woman would have their kind of proprietary ale, basically. Um, and then so even before it got formalized and as we humans settled into cities, um, it was that, you know, it was such a household tradition and as easy as making bread, which is something that I really enjoy. And that, you know, yeast in beer and yeast in bread are one in the same. So it's, it, it makes it that much more uh, satisfying for me. Well, it's pretty great. It's things that you can all do at the same time without having to, you know, pay a hundred percent attention to each one, right? The, the bread's baking, You've got something brewing. You you can take care of several things at once, but you still kind of have to be on site, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, but you, for the most, you can let, if you know the yeast, you let the yeast do its thing, pretty much. Who wants to talk about the wand? I mean, we, we we've had some some Nordic beer 
historians on and, and they talk about that kvike yeast and you know like how does the wand relate to yeast uh in the old days well so uh this is cat i guess i could touch on it i haven't you know this is reminding me how rusty i am since we've gone now a full year not giving tours and it's kind of sucks but it's fun to talk about it and see what i remember um so when like people were brewing back in the day and they obviously didn't have these perfect stainless steel tanks that we have now and they had you know open vats and the yeast would it, yeast is all around us and it cultivates naturally and um when you would be brewing and you would stir you would keep the wand um and you would keep it in like the cellar or wherever you had your setup and yeast would come to it and would be attracted to it and you would like hold on to that and you would like pass it down to generations and you would just keep using it and you would cultivate your own yeast strain and it was just like it was like a really special thing which I thought was super awesome um because I didn't know any of this before I got into beer and I was always just amazed how you know it kind of was that like beer is a happy accident in the end it's not really necessarily something we intended on making but I used to tell a funny story about how just imagining back in the day when your life kind of is rough and your things aren't going right you know <laughs> you're working out in the fields and you forgot a bowl of grain outside somewhere <laughs> and it started raining and it got wet and then times got even worse and now you're hungry and thirsty and so you're like oh wait we have that bowl of weird mm. grain and then I back. go back to it and and you drink it and all of a sudden your wife looks better and life <laughs> your her jokes are funnier and you're like oh what is this and it seemed like magic because yeast is in the air around us. So people didn't know the yeah. science behind brewing originally. So witchcraft. Yeah. So if, if I was on a tour, so you would be talking about this when, when you're oh, giving yeah. a tour at Coney Island. Yeah. I think honestly, the most fun part and like Vic said, I'm actually happy that she was stoked to learn from me because Honestly, it is intimidating and you get people on your tours who know a lot, especially about the science. And, you know, when you're starting off in the brewing community, especially like when I started, I was just a bartender. I didn't know much about the history or the science. So going into these stories kind of made it, it made it way more fun and engaging. And because most of the time, like people get a little bored with the science, especially if they don't know anything. So you just kind of go down these holes and no one knows exactly. There's no pinpoint date of when beer was first made so you know it's all just word of mouth stories that make it fun and interesting well that's great that's a whole nother show right there we're going to talk with you again <laughs> um i'll go back to megan because megan you really worked on s surviving during the pandemic but i also know you 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 you've got you know great beers and and you're really into beers um wh what are a couple of beers that that you're featuring for beer week um right now uh, well, I just put in a huge order, which was so exciting because um, during the pandemic, I was literally being like, okay, this week it's KCBC's turn. Next week is, you know, uh, Finback. And I was having to like literally keep track of who I was buying from, trying to be fair because you want to take care of everyone that you love. But obviously, limited customers equal limited money equals limited ordering. Um, so last week, I think I got in like... 20 or so cases, which is like the most beer I've ordered since the pandemic. Um, so one of the beers I actually have in front of me is um, Dyke Beer. Uh, it's a Saison that's actually brewed at Wild East. Um, but it highlights um, how there are very few lesbian bars 
um, and we're actually losing them due to the pandemic. Um, and I just thought that was so cool, especially because we're talking about women um, and they are obviously part of our community. So I thought it was so awesome that these ladies did this beer and it's a Saison and it's awesome. And I have it right in front of me, actually. Wow. I, you know, you, you don't think about that, but it's true. All, all like, like the, the lesser represented groups of people are probably getting hit the hardest, aren't they? Yeah. Because it seems and, that if anyone, people are falling back on mainstream things, right? Well, like, I think the, the literature they gave me when I took the beer on, there was, there was only 13, uh, lesbian bars left in the country and they've already since I brought the beer on lost another so I guess we're down to 12 now um so I just think it's really important you know being women in beer and how we were so underrepresented for such a long time and how we really feel like I feel like we rebounded and you know we're taken seriously now now it's time to also highlight other communities that are you know underrepresented in beer and so I thought this beer was so cool and wild east is a new ish brewery so i thought it was awesome that they were brewing the beer for them um and they're very Lindsay's Lindsay's an owner there T- just tell me you're tasting the beer so it's a saison what mm-hmm. tell me what like abv is it a, a quick taste That's of this great. beer it's well it's 5.2 which is good because i have to go bartend after this <laughs> um, i have another imperial stout next to me that i was like i'm gonna pick the lower abv um, the owners are Loretta and Sarah, and I've met them. They are super, super cool chicks. I love them. And the label um, is, it is a dog and cat playing pool, um, which is, I'm a big animal person. This beer is actually awesome. I'm not a huge Saison drinker, and I probably will finish this beer during our. Oh, wait. So they made it at Wild East. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's okay. So it's yeah. Thing. Yeah. Wild East brews it for them. Um, it's actually called Dyke Beer. Um, that's their Instagram handle. Um, I had never heard of them until three weeks ago when my friend Natasha, who um, Kat and Vix both know, brought one over to my apartment. And I was like, how do I get this into my bar? And they reached out to me uh-huh. and I now we have it. So it's awesome. And I think oh, we're going to have to do events with them going forward. So it's great. That's great. And now we're going to jump through everybody. Now, Fee, at Beer Witch, uh, what are a couple of beers that you're featuring for Beer Week or that we should drink at Beer Witch? Um, well, I think for Beer Week, uh, we don't have anything specific that we're featuring, but we have, you know, the host of NYC breweries. Um, like I'm finishing my Fifth Hammer cloak spell. Um, we have some Finback, uh, Grimm. Uh, we, sh- we've got non sequitur. Uh, we just got a new, uh, hoppy lager in from them today. Um, and yeah, I mean, for uh, one of our, the features of our fridges is, a, a local fridge. So we always have, um, plenty of like lagers, hoppy stuff, um, so I think that fridge is just going to see a lot more action uh, this week. But, you know, we get we're super close to other half and the new Finback space, Wild East um, and Threes. Um, so they always just pop over and bring the cases over and um, yeah, just come on, come on in and get your fill for this week. 
So we'll add Beer Witch to the Gowanus Beer Tour, right? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And will you just one more time, will you give me your version of the Ninkasi Beer Poem? <laughs> I, I like that. Because I know you're a, you're a great singer, too. So yeah. I really I love your singing. So it, It's so funny because my memory of it is from a, a tour that I got. And it was from uh, a friend of mine, Isaac, who is – he's a – operator of city brew tours, uh, which operates in several cities in the Northeast, but he was quoting it and he was like, it's something like, uh, water, 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 grain, 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 water, grain, more water, more grain. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys took me somewhere. You took me down the, the the beer, witch and women in beer history to a great, uh, poem. Um, so cat Coney Island, I have from, you guys, the dark mild. Um, tell me what some of the the other beers you have right now on, and what we should be looking forward to at Coney Island this spring. Cool, yeah. So, um, the dark mild we were super excited about. Um, we always try to go for the more classic styles in the off season, and um, it's super delicious and low ABV, so you can have more than a few and you don't have to feel too guilty. Um, and our brewer was super excited about dark mild. Um, we have a few things on tap. We have a last stop IPA right now is one of our newer IPAs. Um, it's delicious fruit forward. It's basically a spin off of a beer we used to do called fang tooth, which was a really intense double IPA, um, high ABV. It was a little dangerous. We had to limit how many folks could have um, on a summer day. <laughs> We've gone in this direction um, and it's it's tropical fruits forward. It's really good. And then um, coming up, we have a super exciting collaboration beer. So our kickoff to spring is actually um, a spring equinox saison. And we have collaborated with um, the Sanctuary app. They are an astrology app. Um, we've kind of fully dove into the fact that, you know, during a really challenging, weird year, people are, you know, we're going to all sorts of lengths to find some hope and, you know, look into the stars for meaning. And, um, this was just like, it seemed like a natural fit, you know, Coney's got this crazy whimsical feel and the sanctuary app is super exciting. Um, so that's coming out to Saison brewed with strawberries and uh, black peppercorn. That will be out March 18th, and we're really stoked on it. Um, and then, yeah, we have some other ideas. I don't know if Jim had mentioned, you know, he really wanted to do a Nutcracker series to pay homage to the Nutcrackers that you can get um, on the beach all summer. Uh, you're not a true New Yorker unless you've gone and gotten a Nutcracker from a the not so secret secret of New York. Um, you you mean a bag of nuts? What's what's a nutcracker? What's a nutcracker? Oh my god! What a nutcracker is? I don't know. You gotta come down to Coney Island. Um, So a nutcracker is a beverage that is sold by people walking up and down the beach, and it's a homemade kind of cocktail. That's probably like neon colored, has some Kool Aid in it, but it's delicious. You don't taste the alcohol in it, but it knocks you on your butt. And when, whenever it's also around like New York City parks, and yeah, stuff, and Rockaway, and Rockaway, so beaches around New York, and you just have a guy screaming Nutcracker up and down the beach. So next time you hear that, you y- you'll be in the know. 
Hello, thank you. That's really great. All right. There's so much to talk about, and I want to ask you about the Coney Island Mermaid Parade, but that's another show. So <laughs> we're just happy that everybody's on board. The, the Beer Week is is happening, and you guys have really been a big part of it. So thank you so much for joining me here on uh, Beer Sessions Radio. Thank you, Megan, Fee, Kat, and Victoria. I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host. Big thanks to our engineer, Armin, and our producing intern, Caroline Fox. Thanks so much for joining me on Beer Sessions Radio. We'll catch you next time. All right. Woo. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.